Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, Building Faith and Friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the final chapters of Mark's Gospel, entitled, A Saviour's Love. Mark chapter 14 and verse 32 to 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here, keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he turned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane is one of the most unnerving passages. We get a glimpse into the inner feelings of Jesus at His greatest hour of need. We see His raw human emotions. Up until this point, Jesus always seems so composed. So in control. But here he seems so human. So vulnerable. And it's as if he's falling apart. And we get to over here. We get to eavesdrop in. On his very private conversation with his father. His heartfelt cry and plea to his father. Where he's. He's wrestling with and he's wrestling against the will of his father. It's a sacred moment. And so we need to tread lightly. Of course, Jesus is the unique son of God. And as such, he, he shares the very essence of he shares the very, the very substance and the very nature with God. And as such, He is God. Because He shares that very same, that very same essence with His Father. But this unique Son of God becomes a human. He doesn't become like a human. He becomes a human, a hundred percent human, a human in every way, in body and mind. 
And it's through this, this human, Jesus, that God defeats evil and sin and death on the cross and through His resurrection. So that many can experience forgiveness and eternal life. And it's as this human that Jesus, through reading the Scriptures, comes to realize that He is the Son of Man from Daniel chapter 7, who will face persecution, but will be vindicated by God. And He comes to the realization that He is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, who will die for the sin of the world, but God would raise Him from the dead. And he knows this. He is convinced about this. He knows that this is how God is going to defeat evil and sin so that we can have a hope of eternal life in a world where there is no evil. He knows this and he's convinced. And everything has been leading up to this moment. And now the hour has arrived. He's had his, his final meal with his friends. He knows that Judas, one of his closest friends, is going to betray him any moment now. He is within hours of being brutally tortured and shamefully executed. And it's suddenly as if he's having a crisis of confidence. So what does he do? Well, we read in Mark chapter 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him, and he he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, Stay here and keep watch. What does he do? He prays. He leaves Jerusalem and he goes for about half a mile beyond the city walls to a garden called Gethsemane, which is on the lowest slopes of the Mount of Olives. And he leaves his disciples there and he just takes his three closest friends, Peter, James and John, and they go in a little further. And it's to these three friends and only to these three that he opens his heart and he reveals his inner feelings. And he says to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he tells them to keep watch. Stay awake and keep keep a lookout for the betrayer. And then Jesus goes further in by himself, alone. And in the quietness of this garden surrounded by olive trees, He prays the most honest prayer to his father. And we read in verse 35, Going a little further, he fell to the ground. He fell face down to the ground. No Jew prays like that. The way they pray is by standing up, looking up to heaven, holding their hands up to heaven and speaking out aloud. That's how they pray. But he falls face down. In a time of great distress, the Jew would fall face down. Coming into the very presence of God, like in the temple, 
they would fall face down. And Jesus falls face down. This is a sacred moment. And then we actually get the essence of what he prayed. It says, and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. This is the essence of his prayer. He's praying that the hour might pass from him. What does the hour refer to? The hour is referring to the suffering and the violent death he would soon experience. And he's praying to God that he would be spared from this ordeal. He's praying that he would not have to die. And then in verse 36, we actually get to hear, we get a summary of what he actually said. We, we get to, to eavesdrop in on his private conversation with his father. And he addresses God as Abba Father. Now, Abba was an Aramaic word. Jesus would have, spoke, would have spoken Aramaic. And Abba is an Aramaic word for father. But it's not the, the very formal word for father. It, it's rather the intimate and affectionate word for father. Something probably similar to our word dad. You know, father is quite formal, but dad has a warmth and a, an intimacy and an affection to it. So when I go and pick up Naomi from uh, her child mind or wherever, and she comes running up to me, she shouts, My daddy! My daddy! My daddy! There's, there's a warmth and an affection to that. No one, no Jew ever referred to God as Abba. They would use formal titles for God in prayer. Sometimes they would use the word Father. But very, very rarely, they would never use the word Abba. By Jesus referring to and addressing God as Abba speaks volumes about the relationship he has with his father. He knows his father as Abba. This affirms his love and his devotion for his father, but it also affirms the father's love and care for his son. Jesus knows God as Abba. He knows that love and that care that the Father has for him. And this sets the context for real prayer. Real honest prayer. When we come to pray, we come before our Abba Father. Our Dad in heaven. Who loves us and cares for us intimately. And then we hear what he actually prays. prays. He says, in verse 36, he says, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. He's praying that this cup would be removed. What is this cup referring to? Well, the cup is the same thing that the hour was referring to. It's referring to the suffering and the violent death that he would soon experience. But it's more than just the physical pain. It's also the spiritual pain, the spiritual suffering, because he's going to take the sin of the world upon himself. He's going to feel the weight and the consequences of that sin. He's going to walk straight into the eye of the storm and come face to face with evil itself. And he's going to experience God-forsakenness. He's going to experience what it would be like to be abandoned by God. 
And so he pleads to his father. And in fact, it's, it's more of a struggle. It's more of an argument. It's not so much a request as it is a demand. You, God, you can do all things. Take this cup from me. And we discover that, that God's having an argument with himself. And what Jesus is, is effectively saying is, there must be another way. All things are possible for you. There must be another way to provide forgiveness where I don't have to die and no one has to get nailed to anything. There must be another way. And within the silence, we can hear God's voice. God says, no. I'm sorry. No. It is not possible. There is no other way. The only way we can deal with sin and evil and still have a relationship with the people who have evil in their heart is if we die. For them. There is no other way. This is the Savior's love. And Jesus, through agonizing in prayer, through wrestling with God in prayer, through struggling with God, gets to his last, is able to get to his last line. Yet not what I will, but what you will. That is faith. The difference between faith and doubt is not our ability to, to make sense of things, to be able to understand. The difference between doubt and faith is when the crunch comes. Are you going to trust in yourself and your ability to make sense of things? Or are you going to trust in your Abba Father who loves you and cares for you intimately? It's that simple. And when Jesus says... Yet, not what I will, but what you will. We kind of get the sense that he already knew what the answer was before he even asked. It's like we get the sense that he knows God is going to say no before he even asks. Now, you would probably think that a truly spiritual person like Jesus would not ask for something from God which he knows God is going to say no to. And you would be wrong. And you would probably also think, well, a truly spiritual person like Jesus, once he's asked something of God and God has said no, he's just going to say, okay, Lord, sorry I asked. 
and then walk off singing a praise song about how God is in control of everything and He's going to work everything out to the good of those who love Him. Everything's going to be just fine. And you would be wrong again. How does Jesus respond? If we just go to verse 39, we see it says that once more, He went, once more, He went away and prayed the same thing. He prayed the same thing again, once more, and from the top. And he didn't pray it twice, but three times, and from the top. That is faith. It's not easy. That is real prayer. Wrestling with God. You see, prayer... Prayer is not about getting what you want. And prayer is not about getting God to do what you want Him to do. Prayer is about the harmony of two worlds. Prayer is about bringing your will into a line with the will of the Father. And that only happens when we wrestle with God in prayer in an honest way real prayer until eventually by faith we can say not what I will but what you will not my will be done but your will be done verses 37 through to 38 it says then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping Simon he said to Peter are you asleep Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Jesus comes back from praying and he finds the disciples, his three friends, sleeping on the job. They're meant to be keeping a lookout and they're fast asleep. It says in verse 38, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Temptation? What temptation? The temptation to fall asleep? That would be kind of like saying, Well, stay awake so you don't become tempted to... Not stay awake. That wouldn't make any sense. The disciples were going to face a persecution, a suffering, and even the potential death because of their faith and their loyalty in Jesus. In Mark chapter 10 and verses 38 to 39, Jesus says to the disciples, Can you drink from the cup I drink? The disciples say yes. And Jesus says, You will drink from the cup I drink. In other words, you will experience persecution and suffering and even death because you are, if you remain faithful to me. And what Jesus is saying here is when that moment comes, don't fall into temptation. Don't fall into the temptation to abandon your faith, to run away and disown me. Don't give up. That's what Jesus means when he says uh, the the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. Their their inner desires and intentions, they had a real eagerness to follow Jesus and they were saying, we'll be loyal to you, Jesus, even to the point of death. Spirit was willing. But the flesh was weak. Human fears and human failures, as soon as trouble and persecution came along, they fall asleep, they run away, They disown Jesus. They give up. 
How do we avoid this temptation? Jesus says in verse 38, Watch and pray. The way we avoid falling into the temptation of just giving up when hardships come is by praying like Jesus prayed. You see, the reason why we, we get to eavesdrop in on Jesus' prayer is because it's a model for us to pray when we face persecution, hardship, trial, and evil in any form. And Jesus' prayer is very similar to the Lord's prayer. It starts off by addressing Father, it then goes on to, to speak about God's will being done. It then talks about not being led into temptation. But what this prayer does is it brings into focus what remains unsaid in the Lord's Prayer. And that is, what do we do when God does not deliver us from evil in the way we want? What do we do when we face in hardships and persecution and evil in any form? Do we pretend that everything is okay? No. Do we jump to the theological answer and quote a quick verse? God works out all things for the good of those who love Him. Everything will be just fine. No. That's what religious people do. They pretend everything is okay, that there's no problem. But life is often very brutal and painful. You see, we live in a fallen world where evil is ruling. It isn't God's intention for us. It isn't God's will for us. Yes, Jesus won the decisive victory against evil on the cross. Yes, Jesus' resurrection gives us a hope that one day we'll experience eternal life in a new earth where there is no evil. But what about now? Now we live in a fallen world where evil is ruling. How do we respond when we're facing that evil, those hardships and those persecutions? Well, this is how Jesus responded. He questioned God. He argued with God. And that's how we should respond. God, you can do all things. Why won't you remove this from me? But with our questioning, there needs to be a willingness to back off. There needs to be a willingness to back off even though we, we, we don't understand why. It doesn't make sense to us. We can't understand it. We're not even given the reason why. Yet a willingness to back off and trust our Abba Father who loves us and cares for us intimately. And we do that through praying like Jesus prayed in the garden. That's faith. It's not easy. That's prayer. That's real prayer. Wrestling with God. You see, faith is not about shelving our questions, hiding our objections. Faith is about overcoming our questions and our objections through prayer. Faith is not about stopping short of questions and objections and the feelings of despair. 
Faith is about moving past it through prayer, just as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. And through that wrestling, we end up coming to a point in faith where we say, not what I will, but what you will. Verses 41, we read, returning the third time. He said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus returns a third time and once again he finds the disciples sleeping on the job. In fact, it's Jesus who spots the betrayer and says, look, here comes my betrayer. The very thing the disciples were meant to do for him. But take note that Jesus is composed once again. Through his real, honest, heartfelt prayer and cry to God, he is once again composed and in control. Willing to do the will of his Father. Willing to die for us. Because he fell face down before God, he is able to stand before all people and evil itself. So firstly, are we going to be like the disciples? Full of enthusiasm one minute, asleep the next, betraying the next. Are we going to disown Jesus? As soon as Jesus doesn't fit in with the rest of our plans? As soon as Jesus doesn't live up to our expectations? Or as soon as it it just starts to get a little too tough? Or are we going to be faithful to Jesus even when it gets tough? Through praying like Jesus prayed. And secondly, let's remember how human Jesus was. He struggled. He didn't pretend everything was okay. It was tough. But he followed the Father and he did the will of the Father. And that's a challenge for us as we, in our walk with Jesus. As we try to remain faithful to Jesus, it will be tough at times. We will face injustices and pain. There will be times when we will have to turn our cheek. There will be times when we will have to stand up for the poor and the oppressed and the outcasts. There will be times when we will feel in despair and even angry. And it's okay to feel in despair and angry. And we can take that to God. God can handle our honesty. We can take it to God in prayer and wrestle with it. And through that wrestling, we can eventually come to find that peace to carry on walking forward and doing the will of our Father. Because we can trust. We can trust our Abba Father who loves us and cares for us so much. That he was prepared to come and die for us. 
so that we could experience forgiveness and eternal life in a world where there is no evil. And at the center of this, at the center of the garden, at the center of the cross, is Jesus. Doing this for us. Doing this for you. Doing this for me. Taking our sin, our selfishness, our lies, our unkindness upon Himself. And He took it. It wasn't easy, but He took it. Because He loves you. And He loves me. And He wants a relationship with us. This is the Savior's love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do find this passage very unnerving. We stand in awe of it. And Father, we realize as we try to unpack it and explain it and understand it, it's not a passage that you can explain. It's a passage you need to experience. Father, we thank you that you were prepared to come as a person, as a human, as Jesus. That you were prepared to do all of that for us because you love us. That you were prepared to take that weight of sin upon yourself. And Father, we thank you that when we look at Jesus, we don't see some superhuman superhero, but we see a real human with real struggles and real desires, but someone who remained faithful. Someone who is a great example for us and inspiration. Father, forgive us the times when we feel like, oh, it wouldn't be right for us to have these questions. It wouldn't be right for us to, uh, to, to, to question you. It wouldn't be right for us. Uh, we, we need to just pretend everything's okay. Father, won't you forgive us? And won't you forgive us when we've done that to other people who are struggling? And we've gone to them, no, no, just be okay. When you yourself struggled and left us the example to, for us to follow and to wrestle. But Father, we thank you within that wrestling, within that question, you don't abandon us, but you draw near to us. You feel our pain. Father, won't you help us by your Holy Spirit to be able to wrestle in prayer and then ultimately come to that point where we say, not my will, but your will be done. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.